Welcome to Places, everyone. I'm Lonnie Firestone. It's been a while since my last episode. I took a few months off there to focus on helping my kids with Zoom learning and think about what I wanted to do as the next phase of my work. In the spring, when protests began, sparked by the urgent need to demand justice for Black Americans, I noticed how many companies and organizations wrote statements about what they can do to more directly confront racism. In particular, I noticed some of these statements coming from Jewish organizations and Jewish schools. This meant something extra to me because I was raised in a Jewish community and I'm still active in one in my current neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York. I reached out to one of the Jewish schools that put forth a statement. It's actually a school that I went to in Maryland and said, I can possibly offer you something. Because I've done interviews for many years and because I followed the work of many brilliant black artists, I might be able to give students an opportunity to explore plays by black playwrights, to read and watch those plays, discuss the themes, expand the art they love, and perhaps most importantly, interview black actors and directors who have made those productions come alive. All of that leads to greater engagement in listening to the experiences of black Americans. I believe that when you listen to the storytellers, when you embrace the narrative, when you elevate people's experiences, advocacy comes naturally. So my way of embracing this moment is to give Jewish schools, which are majority white spaces, an opportunity to celebrate black artists and their work. This is a new program I'm developing for a variety of schools, and I'm really excited to start it at the Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School in Maryland, where I attended elementary and middle school. The silver lining of our Zoom age is being able to connect with students in Maryland while I'm in New York, and an actor joins us from LA. The first play we're discussing is Schoolgirls by Jocelyn Bio, whom I had the pleasure of interviewing last year on the podcast. What you're about to hear is a session with our first guest to the club, Mirai Satola, who starred as Mercy in the off-Broadway production of Schoolgirls, and in fact originated that role. Mirai spoke with the students on October 21st, and these are selections from the interview. I've eliminated student names, but you'll hear their voices. I'm delighted to share it with you, and I hope you'll keep listening to hear how the series unfolds as more high school students and artists come together for intimate, thoughtful conversations. Here is Mirai Satola. So I wanted to start to introduce and sort of come back, because it's been a couple of weeks, our conversation about schoolgirls. And Mira, I want you to introduce to us who Mercy is. But just to preface, this is a play that is so much about social status and standing. And whenever you have a play, and this could be a Shakespeare tragedy or history play, where you have someone who is at the top rung, the question in the mind of every reader and viewer is when and how will this person get dethroned? That is so much about what Schoolgirls is, but it's done in such a unique way because of where it's set and who these characters are. So as that, as a cue, Mira, can you tell us 
who Mercy is in the world of schoolgirls. I can do that. <laughs> it's really good to see you all. Wow, we are here in this world. Mercy, 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 Mercy is a part of a duo. Mercy and Gifty are our cousins. And Mercy, in terms of status, because that's the, the word that's ringing out to me from what you said, Lonnie, technically Mercy's on, on the bottom rung. And thank God she has Gifty. They have each other because they're also the youngest in the group of schoolgirls, as it were. And plotting in like backstory that gets sprinkled in there throughout the play, which is really expansive and has a lot of ideals within it, despite it being a comedy. She's the daughter of a wealthy man who like wants her to also like be able to provide for herself and like education is a thing. And so there's also this kind of pressure on Mercy to to not only balance the dynamics within the schoolgirls by kind of playing both sides of, of the game of ingratiating the, the queen bee, as it were. And when the queen bee's not in the room being like, yeah, that was not great behavior. Like, so sorry that we were pretending to like be down for the mean girl antics. And on top of that, like supporting her cousin who has difficulty reading and also the, the potential shame around how she has to present. Like there's this whole small thing about like, they're going to get new shoes, new Nikes. <laughs> and it's this huge celebration point near the end of the play for Mercy and Gifty. And the way that moment came about, I don't know why special is coming to me, but it, it does feel special because it's so subtle of like how much you, you might not understand of a person because you're not asking or you're not paying attention. And the, the gift that Jocelyn Bio, the playwright, gave to me as Mercy in that moment was that, like, there's shame around her appearance. And it, it's not necessarily all about the, the skin color. It's about knowing that she does have a certain status <laughs> at home, but, like, that she's not leading with that. And I kind of love that. I actually really love it as a person and also as one of the actors that's gotten to play this role is being able to strike that balance between like what you're worth and also what people deem you're worth to be and that struggle between those two things. Since you mentioned the duo nature of Mercy and her cousin, I want to turn it to who had a question about that topic. How do you develop your character differently from your character's cousin? And how do you make your character your own and have different feelings and reactions to the situations? The woman who played Gifty, Paige Gilbert, it's, it's funny because like we are, we're, we're like soul sisters. <laughs> we had the, the magic around school girls in general is, is, is really beautiful and it continues to be a blessing years later, <laughs> like talking to you all about it. And it's, it is a bit of a trip to go back in time but it doesn't feel that way because I'm still very much connected to, to Paige. And we weren't friends. We didn't know each other before the rehearsal process. We met or interacted rather at this music festival that takes place all over the world, but we went in Brooklyn, New York, called Afropunk. So she was dancing for this artist that my best friend and I like put on our list of artists to go see. And 
part of the choreography was they came out into the audience and she gravitated towards us and like put some like gold sparkle glitter on it was just you know just, and then fast forward we see each other on the first day of rehearsal or like maybe before that i don't remember the story beyond that but fast forward and we're playing cousins so to answer your question more specifically Paige and I have very different processes as actors, even though since I've been working professionally, I've gotten better about like working from my body and not intellectually. I, I tend to start with the language, with the words, and then add the emotional map of it on top of that. And from what I know of Paige's process at that time, it was very much more centered in the body. Like I said, she was dancing for this Ghanaian musician. And I mean, we're both movers and dancers. So we have that in common. And I think that's the basis of where we were able to like become simpatico and just kind of like mind meld. And those two characters, actually, there, there is a point where the chemistry just, it just, you have to lock in <laughs> and, and be able to really do that freaking frack kind of energy that, that Jocelyn wrote into the character descriptions and really lean on each other because as characters, they're all each other has. Like my mom, actually, I found this out this year when she was like seven, was shipped off to boarding school. And that's boarding school is common in many African countries and I'm Zimbabwean. But I found out this year that like had a trunk and her siblings, they, they went off to boarding school. And I was like, whoa, like, what is that? And she talks about the pranks that would happen. And, but I have a sort of dramaturgical lens on the plays I'm asked to be a part of. And I think Paige shares that as well. And for her, in her process, it was a, a lot of research, a lot of like reaching out to Ghanaian artists or friends and talking to them about their experiences. So to, to have this opportunity to develop this character in tandem with another actor for two years, for two years after that was like a major part of the process. It was just like finding the love, like the genuine love there, which you don't get all the time, but I've been very lucky to be able to build a process through relationship. One thing I was thinking a lot in rewatching the play is that this is a play that doesn't have a lot of props. There's not many things that are brought on stage. And so the things that are brought on stage, uh, a student's file in Apple, bleaching cream, these are essential to how we understand who these characters are. I, I realized upon a rewatch that Mercy is the character who first mentions the idea of a cream that lightens skin and asks Erica, the new student, oh, you must have a great cream because of how smooth your skin is. It's not even said in a judgmental way. It's sort of said in like, I'd like to know what product it is, you know, in a sense. Mirai, when you have that early scene, and it's a comic scene, we're first meeting Erica, it's lighthearted, and we're not yet at that scene later when that cream, the physical presence of that cream is such a painful moment. I wonder, when you have that early comic scene, what are you thinking as you deliver those kinds of lines, knowing it's going to relate to such a major theme of the entire play? Nothing. Because like I said, <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm up here and I don't think it's a flaw, but like I'm up here in my head a lot <laughs> and just thinking of all the possibilities, possibilities of what we can do with the text we're given and Jocelyn's text is so rich 
not because it's dense with a lot of words, because there's, it's, it's just clear, it's concise, it's fast, it's comedic. So you like hit the nail on the head in terms of like, wow, you are the one who brings that up. And, and in rehearsal, I actually, when I realized that, I was like, wait, what does this mean about like Mercy's relationship to her skin color, her skin tone? So even though it was like a half joke and I said nothing, I, much my eventual experience of being Mercy over a long period of time, this is the role that I've spent the most amount of time in ever, (laughs) was knowing a lot, understanding the dynamics, understanding the arc of the play, my place in it as an actor and as a character, and then forgetting everything so that it can be fresh, so that it didn't feel heavy because we knew where we have to go. And like, my job was not to hold the heavy, <laughs> right? That was Paulina's job because at the end, like, we're the ones that reach out and are like, man, you did a lot of people dirty, but like, everyone makes mistakes, everyone has bad days. <laughs> so, the knowing of like, okay, well, I understand this story as an actor. I can zoom out and being the one to introduce bleaching cream is, is not necessarily easy, but it's not hard either. Like that, that was the reality of like, like you said, like matter of fact, like your skin looks great. Wow. You must have a great bleaching cream. Like tell us what's what, <laughs> tell us the tea. Like, and then having to decide whether that was actually, I wanted to know if I could use it or just because maybe it was for Paulina, because we knew Paulina had, like, there were so many possibilities, but like the play moved so fast. And these are still young students, kids, that the work of that play for me was like, forgetting that I'm 27. I'm gonna turn it over to you with a question. Hi, I'm nice to meet you. Okay, so I was wondering, like, how does it feel portraying like, the comedic relief in a show that like under the surface touches on such like deep and serious topics. What's coming to my head right now actually is many experiences of being in the rehearsal room and watching the scenes that I wasn't in, particularly the scene where after the pageant, after the big blow up and then some point that comes back and it's like, yeah, so sorry. We're not, going to move forward with you. Being in the room, feeling the energy from Mamea, from everybody, it was a true gift to not have to be a listen. And a true gift to be able to like watch, feel the feelings in the safety of rehearsal, and then figure out how to once again forget about it and like keep pushing through. So it was difficult sometimes to come in and be like, Let's make them laugh. And that is what I appreciated about the moment. The like the hardest and best, not the hardest, because many, many moments <laughs> in the play were hard, quote unquote, because they're trying not to break and like, you know, trying to we're making each other laugh and like really embodying the joy of the piece. But a difficult transition rather is when the scene that Misty and I have is when we're alone. The first time it's just us on stage. And like a huge emotional shift with like little time. Like even in the transition backstage, like we're walking past Paulina and like have to ignore the fact that like Paulina is like holding her face and crying. And then what happens in that transition is like 
months. It was this really bizarre kind of like back to the answer I just gave all of y'all, but to Bonnie's last question, I'm like, nothing's happening and everything's happening. So like, let's just be here and be present and like, let's have this moment to, to this genuine moment of helping my cousin read and then like the laugh line and we're back. Yeah, the, the feeling was that in order to do mercy justice and also the play overall is that there has to be a deep trust for everybody, a trust that the, the emotional weight of the play will be held with care and also that once we need to move forward into keeping the buoyancy and the, and the light move, that's not because we don't know what's going on in the play. It's because like we move forward with that, with that deeper understanding. And so it was really awesome to be able to understand and empathize with someone else's pain and hurt and know that like life moves forward and we learn from those lessons, hopefully. And I think that's what the play also teaches us. And it's reminding me of honestly now, like we're here on Zoom. <laughs> like, and there's a lot of chaos in the world and that's okay. Like we can be here and like laugh and ask questions and discuss with each other. That doesn't mean that we don't know what's happening in the world or why we're on Zoom together, but like what a gift, like we're on Zoom together to have this conversation that we might not have ever had without the things that came before. So I think, I think, yeah, it, it feels connected to schoolgirls in the sense that like, would Mercy and Gifty have, have, have found their depth and their joy without having gone through that like really catty, messy, like pick sides battle and realizing that like, ooh, it's not actually how I want to be. And like, let me extend a hand to this person's in pain. And there's real growth there. To be able to, to start one place and end another, one really cool thing about being able to tell stories and tell them like over and over and over again. It's like every night we get to start one place and then end another and see what newness comes in there. It always felt fresh and new and exciting and, and also like a service, a service for a lot of people to be able to be seen, especially Black girls and women, and not just have to sit in, in the, the dark and, and to be able to see the light. So that, that felt really beautiful to be able to embody. I think we have time maybe just for a last question. Yeah. So hi. Hi. So a lot of, I know a lot of actors have different processes, processes, whatever it is, to get into the character and to get out of it. Do you have any specific things that you do? It depends on the role. I think breathing is always relevant. Taking time to breathe for yourself to tap into the energy of the night or the matinee afternoon when you're doing that kind of a schedule. I sleep a lot, I take a lot of naps. And the show is, School Girls in particular, was very short. So when we would have a two-show day, like we would do the show and then I'd like go about my life for a couple of hours. But coming back and just like resetting. But I think it's really important to tap in and tap out. And by that, I mean tap in, whether it's through breath or something like getting your body, you know, energy up, jumping jack, something physical for yourself to like be in your body and then after a performance it's like really like take that take it all off whatever you need to do i do like to talk to people afterwards to connect to audience members which helps me like 
he'd be like, oh yeah, it's just me, Mirai. Like, and people would be like, Mary Kate, I'm like, Mirai. <laughs> and remember that you are not that person, even though that person is a part of you. Like, Mercy's a part of me forever. Like, all these stories are that I've had the privilege to tell are a part of me. And, and I think that's a gift and a privilege. And also, it's important to, to return back to self. Thank you so much, Mirai. Hearing your perceptions and insights, having so enjoyed the play is like a real treat for us. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow Places Everyone on Twitter. Podcast production and original music by Cody Crabb. Artwork by Jennifer Klockner. See you next time.